Ooh. I know. No one told me about those. Arnell, you gotta teach me. I wanna. I wanna. Wait, Arnell, maybe, maybe you know one of my confirmation sponsors, Bruce. Uh, Ruth. Yeah. Do you know Bruce? Bruce who? Bruce. Ah, oh, I can't think his last name. Bruce here. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. <laughs> Bruce. How much have you drank, Arnell? <laughs> Bruce Lee. Not enough. He hasn't drank enough yet, Tony. <laughs> Y'all ready? Yeah. Because we've been recording. Oh, yeah. So I have to edit out all this. That's right. Let me wipe my my glare. There it is. <laughs> I know you want one of those, those oil blotting sheets. I think I still have a bunch of those lying around somewhere. Dude. Panda. Um, <laughs> And the, oh yeah, look, I have the mask here. Well, I the one I used yesterday, but I need a mask. Yeah, I, I have leftover nasty. essence. I put it in here with another mask. So. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Different points of view and highs and lows. Perspective everywhere you go Open up your mind Drown out the noise And see if this connected And see if this connected What's up, fam? Again, the mission of this Connected Podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations, of course, share the different perspectives of me and my guest. You, of course, as always, are welcome to agree and even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done in charity. I'm Catholic.Dad, and welcome to this series that we have with my co-host or our monthly due of Wine with Yam. We have Tony right there. We have Catherine and Bethany, who's like spilling all of the wine all over her white stuff all over her room. So welcome to this episode, this monthly episode. So guys, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to whine about um, this this time around? Whoa! I almost spilt the wine all over the um, the computer. We're gonna whine about how how y'all almost spilled the wine. How you guys started without us? <laughs> we did. Yeah, you know, I was waiting, and I'm like, I'm just gonna open this, but but I'm gonna share with you guys the bottle that I got from this really fancy um, um, establishment that I passed by today called Stater Brothers. Um, it's a it's a California wine, I think. Robert Mondavi from his private selection. Um, I picked a good year, good year before COVID. It's California, 2018. So pre-COVID, pre-COVID wine, right there. Uh, a Merlot, or um, as some would say, a Merlot. So that's what I have. What do you guys have? Let me go get my bottle. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, I'll go. So. Okay, so while Catherine leaves, uh, this is what Catherine gave me. Um, it's it's barbecue. Huh? Um, 
Yeah, it's barbecue. It's um from the far off land of California. It's Zinfandel. It's a great year, 2016. I was uh you know a few years younger at that time, and it's it's red wood and um. Um, did I mention I'm a wine connoisseur, right? I yeah. did mention that last. Okay, so yeah, so barbecue that's what I'm, wine. Uh, it, uh, that's what I'm drinking. It tastes, um, you know, it tastes, it tastes like, it tastes like stuff. stuff. <clears throat> Does it, it taste way. like barbecue? Uh, the way I do it, because I tend to burn um, my barbecue. So. so it has a burnt taste. Uh, yes, 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 mm. it does. Mine has a, a Merlot. It's um, it's dry. It has a, has a really dry taste. Yeah, this is funny because we are obviously not wine uh, connoisseurs, but we're trying. You know, we we don't even know how to hold the the glass. Is it, do we do we hold it like this or do we hold it with two fingers? Um, <coughs> The middle, you know, the the little uh, finger. Do we? Uh, I don't know. But Bethany, what what do you have? I also have a Merlot um, from Sonoma Landing Vineyards. This is um, from two thousand five. So <laughs> I was ten years old and couldn't even drink yet. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. I just took my first sip. My desk actually tasted the wine before i did um so yeah <laughs> oh, she, she got some aged wine mm -hmm. 2010 you know they say that wine does get better with age kind of like humans you know so oh catherine no, not, too easy i'm not gonna not gonna not gonna take that one all right everyone so um I got, so this bottle of wine actually has a story. So you know how you go to the store and you find any little thing, especially at the 99 cent store? So I actually got this one at the 99 cent store just to try it. So this one is La Prensa 2020. So that means it's not that aged. Um, and it, like I said, it's, I think I said from Chile. And it says here that um, this wine is supposed to be Smooth and velvety. So, oh, la prensa, because la prensa means wine press in Spanish. So, I think that's hmm. so cool. I got it just to try it, just to see, because usually the cheaper the wine, the lower the quality. So, I'm hoping I'm not disappointed by spending a little bit. I think there's some wines that you can get decently priced. Um, an interesting fact, wine here in the U.S. is much cheaper than if you were to drink wine in other countries, depending which country you are in. But for example, if you're like in China or South Korea, they don't, I don't think they have wineries as much as they do here. So imported wines cost twice, sometimes even three times as much. So I'm grateful that we can share a glass of wine together, although we're not in the same room. But I think that's what makes our whining session so special. That's right. I have a question. Do you guys think because she said that's twenty twenty? You said, yeah, twenty twenty. So, do you think it's gonna be to the point where kind of like how hotels don't have the the thirteenth floor or something like that? That if anything that's like twenty twenty related, that's gonna be like 
the worst, like that's the unlucky number, that's the superstitious, like, no, I don't want to touch that. AKA, Catherine, how courageous are you with drinking that since it's 2020? Oh, very courageous. Yeah, because, oh, you know, 2020 in hindsight. Um, hindsight, right. Get it? Ah. I, I do get it. I oh. do. I heard that all through 2020. In oh hindsight, 2020, it it's... Um, so but, funny. But anyways, I, I feel like we have to, to say a disclaimer that um, because we do have uh, people who listen who are underage, that this is responsible drinking. Obviously, we're at home. We're not going to be driving. And we are only simply drinking for the fun of um, pretending that we are wine connoisseurs. I think for a lot of us, I know I can speak for myself, I'm not quite a big drinker. Yeah, it's like a... It's more like I have this glass of wine and then I have my glass of water to push it down with. Yeah. Oh, here's an interesting fact. When you are drinking wine, if you go wine tasting, for example, when you're old enough, of course, um, you don't really want to drink too much water unless you are done. Only because water messes up the pH balance of your tongue and then you don't really get the full flavor of the wine. So... That's why if you drink wine again after having a sip of water, okay it's so weird. Like, I didn't know that until someone explained it to me. And when they said that, I was like, no wonder the wine tastes so weird after I have a sip of water. So that's an interesting mm. fact for you. Also, um, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to this, but if you go wine tasting, I know they have these things where you can spit out the wine so you don't have to drink it. That's what happened. Like, if you drink too much of those wine, you know, you taste too much of that wine, it's so easy for you to, you know, get a little intoxicated too fast, too soon. So another thing to watch out for. But yeah. And then what I like about these wines, um, or some, and this is how you know if people know their wines well at the wineries. If they re make recommendations of what to pair it with, then they know what they're talking about. And oftentimes it will recommend, like, if you're going to drink this kind of wine, you want to pair it with this kind of meat or these kinds of foods. And it's really cool. I always wanted to know that. Like yeah. what goes with red, what goes with a Merlot, and I didn't know. I was I was like raiding the refrigerator to find some kind of cheese to to eat it with, and all I could find was cotijo cheese, and I'm like, maybe not. Um, <laughs> well, not for this one. For My I don't know if you look in the label of the back of the wine. Sometimes they make recommendations to you. So this one says, enjoy with rosemary chicken or your favorite pasta. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And last thing, when you take your first swig of wine, uh, sorry, your first sip, swig it around your mouth so it could coat your mouth and then have a sip. And then you'll really know what the taste of the wine is really like. Catherine, can I just say I am honestly impressed <laughs> by, the, by the knowledge that you hold about wine. That's quite impressive. Amazing. Mine says, <laughs> mine says to pair with pasta with a red sauce. Prime rib and mild cheeses. Ooh. I did not know that. I just saw that. It says mine is pair with roasted chicken and pasta. And the smell is supposed to be cherry, ripe plum. Cherry, ripe plum. And the taste is supposed to taste raspberry, cherry, and mocha. Mm. Do you get the little mocha flavor or no? I don't know. Let me try it again. Mm. Sip it right into the mic, Arnold. I don't know. 
I, I, I like mine because it actually compliments me. It says, pat yourself on the back for choosing the perfect wine to enjoy with grilled meats and veggies. And I just, you know. <laughs> Especially because the, the name of the bottle is barbecue. Uh, especially. <laughs> okay, so I just tried mine. Um, I'm not disappointed because for the price, I'm not surprised that it tastes a little flat, but it's not as bad as I thought it would be. So that's a plus. Um, but it doesn't have a really like strong flavor. I mean, it smells nice, but it feels kind of flat, like something's missing. But I guess, you know, you can't ask for more with $3.99. So I'm good. I'm not going to complain. I'm just, it's, it's okay. You know, that's right. You know, there, there's also different, different, um, I guess different um, classes, gob- goblets or whatever um, yeah. to use for the wine. I, I'm not sure. So maybe in, yeah. in a future episode, maybe you could tell us what are we supposed to use? Okay. So so the ones you guys are holding are perfect for the red wine. So these are good for red wine. You want it a little wider and you don't want to fill it up either because you need to give um, the wine room to breathe. Yeah, because then if you fill it up, I guess they won't really capture as much of flavor. The smaller wine glasses, though, are for um, the white wine because the white wine doesn't need as much room as the red wine. And the even smaller wine glasses are for dessert wines. Dessert wines are stronger than your average wine. Um, Mm. They're sweet. And those, if you know, we're already sipping on wine, right? With the dessert wines, you... Drink them even slower. You really take your time sipping them. Because if you try if you try to drink it at the same pace as your wine, oh yeah, that you're just asking for trouble there. <laughs> um and the the dessert wines, like I said, they're much stronger and they are sweeter. And usually those you just like sip slowly and alone. You usually don't pair those with anything because of the sweetness and how strong they are. Now, I always thought dessert wine is you had wine with like a dessert with like cheesecake, or is it just the wine is the dessert? I would say the wine is just the dessert. Sometimes, depending on the dessert wine, they may suggest like something like a cheesecake. But because that wine is already, or yeah, or like some bitter chocolate, because it's really sweet. And when I tell you it's sweet, it's very sweet. Like, probably get a sugar overload before the alcohol hits you. You know, <laughs> I can't wait when we um when we actually do this um live um at a round table where we have like the food that matches with it. Yes. Uh, that'd be oh, amazing. That would be awesome. Right? Yeah. So by the way, all this knowledge I have of wine has been because uh several years ago I actually did a wine tour in Napa and these are the things that the people at the you know, if you pay attention to the wine tours of you get this kind of wine tour they'll tell you these things, you know, they'll tell you from like the process it takes to making the wine to when it's in the barrels, when it's taken out of the barrels, um, what wine to pair with what and all that stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Like, and sometimes depending on the the person giving the tour, they may even give you history of the wine or the winery or both. And it's all interesting. I don't know. That's why I think I have a new, newfound appreciation or wine, you know, I don't love it because I think if I love it, that's dangerous. But <laughs> I really enjoy a nice glass of wine. 
I have a friend, you know, shout out to Anna. Um, we went to Congress one time and she loves wine. She just loves wine. She has to have a glass of wine before bed. And, um, well, we were at Congress and so we, we stepped out. We went to, you know, we're at that hotel. We went downstairs at the bar and we asked for a glass of wine. Well, wine at hotels are very expensive. I think it was like $18 a glass. And she was like, what? I could We could have gone down to Vons and bought two bottles. <laughs> yes, so, that is so true. It's expensive. It is. Expensive. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. Wine, if you want good wine, it's not going to come cheap. So... Um, sometimes there are there are some wines that are not that expensive that are still pretty good deals you know like your friend was saying you can get two bottles for that price of just one glass yeah so what's been going on with you guys you know we we haven't done this you know this is about a month ago um that we talked so what's been going on you know i have my signs you know during the taping of of this episode um it's the time that time of the year where we do the pro life marches, and um, I put up this poster from last last year. It says, "Protect human life." It's one of my favorites. My daughter made it, um, and and the reason why I love this one, we kept it, is because it has human, 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 and right here it says, you know. This one's human. It's wearing the orange. So actually, you know, they're in prison. But they're human. This one is a person who is homeless and they're human. And this one is an old person. They're human. And this one is, um, there's nothing on this person. They're human. And then this person wearing pink and then there's the belly and there's a little baby inside and says, that's human. And mom's human. And so it says, protect human life. Human so, love that one. I was hoping we were going to be able to bring that one again this year, but everything is virtual. So, today, actually, we're recording this. Today is the um, um, day prayer for um, uh, the protection of the unborn, unborn child. So, hopefully, you know, people... Um, We'll really look at that and, and see the the sanctity of life from from conception until all the way to uh, death. So now that I have um, totally depressed everyone, um, let's have another drink to the unborn. There you go. So how about you guys? So you know, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because. I was thinking, I don't know if any of you have ever read this book called The Giver. I think it's by Lewis Lowry. And I think several years ago it got made into a feature film with, okay, I can't remember the actress's name. But the reason I bring up The Giver because and, uh, The Giver is a fictionalized story about a very super utopian society. I mean, they give you pills to basically control your urges to really be a full-on human being. And there comes a point where you retire. And I forgot what they call that world, the unknown you go into. Basically, when you retire, they're basically killing you off. Like you go through the cycle of life with them, you know, and surviving or living. And then they decide the end of your life. 
you know. Yeah. Um, and even though, like, I know when when we think about human life and the sanctity of life, I think it's uh, it's easy to think about babies, but it's more than just just the the babies. I mean, of course, we mm-hmm. we stand up for them and everything. Yes, we're all for life, you know, especially for unborn children. But I think something that gets often overlooked is that we as Catholics, we we're talking about all human life, you know, mm-hmm. being against the death penalty, um, not ending someone's life early, or what is it? You not euthanasia. What is it called? Assist, assisted suicide, mm-hmm. right? Um, because we believe in natural natural life, like you come naturally and you die naturally as well, or you know if that's great if that happens but um i think the giver is very poignant of that how someone else gets to decide if you live or die and even with babies like let's say there in the story there was these two babies born at the same time twins right well the one that weighed less was the one that's going that was going to get killed off and when the main character figured that out he decided to run away with this baby um and saved its life. And I think the irony with this baby is that the baby's name is Gabriel. Hmm. Um, some people say that it's kind of alluding into kind of like the angel Gabriel. I forgot what the connection was, but I was like, wow, that's so interesting. But yeah, kind of like, I don't know. I just feel that when we don't stand up enough for human life, I it almost feels like we could easily go into that direction. I mean, that's an extreme of things that can happen. But when you give something too much control and autonomy over you, that's what you're doing. You're slowly giving up your right to be able to be self-autonomous and to really live out that freedom that God gave us to use responsibly. Yeah, and personally, I think that that we we are really close to that. If if not, we are already in that where um, people are already making that decision. Um, you know, with with people who have uh, Down syndrome. How many times have you heard where parents are told by their physician, well, this person will have Down syndrome, and people choose to abort because they don't want to have to go through that. Uh, I, I know that I've known some people whose whose doctors have told them, life's going to be really hard. Do you really want that? And so it's it's a it's a way of of telling them that, hey, you know what? You don't want to suffer, and this person is going to make you suffer. And then and then you go on, on Instagram, you see such the most beautiful people. There's this one guy who's doing triathlons, uh, and and I, I follow him, and and um, he's the guy's massive, and he's doing things. And, mm. and from the people who had um, – who, um, have Down syndrome, who I worked with, are, are leading such productive lives. And yes, there are people who are having difficulties, and we can't ignore that. But um, how are we to decide? I mean, who's to decide that? Yeah, I've always wondered that because I had someone who kind of posed that question, and I was like, you know, at the time I was like, oh, I, I, I you know, I, I don't know, you know. Um, and I think that's very difficult, like you said, are now like, but at the same time, I've always, I always come back to this, like, who are we to play God? We're not God, we're humans, we're his beloved children. And why should I decide if someone lives or dies? Yeah. That's not up to me. You know, at those marches, uh, uh, you, you guys have gone to those pro-life marches, right? You see a lot more and you 
more of of I, I always like I always look at that and and whenever I go to the, those marches you see like the young people the high school students some of them are you know confirmation students who got dragged to go or you know or were convicted to go because they're going to get um, you know community service hours for going um, hopefully that's not the reason only reason why they go and, and then you see old old people and I always try to see how many are how many are the young adults are the young adults going and what what I saw there in in the last two that we went to was that there were a lot of young adults who were on the train with us, but they were going to the women's march so uh, I'm like okay well there is there is a there is definitely um for me as as a parent a concern there but you know hopefully we as a as a nation we as um as a um a faith community will look at these things and 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 say what are we doing you know that that book that you you talked about the giver who's to decide you know i mean if, if there was a, a in that case if we were say the committee that decided you know who lives and who doesn't live uh, what what is the criteria that we have to to take on you know it's man that's such a such a difficult question and i think also um i just remember right now there's one of the roles because of this utopian society you get assigned basically your role in the society some people are chosen to be mothers so that's how people are made in this you know utopian society um but obviously those mothers they don't get to keep their kids because their kids are given to families to families that were already chosen to raise these children within the society and apparently um the women who birth these kids while they don't talk about it they don't they're not the same you can see like their sadness being described like something was taken from them and that's something with that child you know you know it was you know it's a trip you know i studied in the philippines and Mm -hmm. and back in the day uh, in the Philippines, in order to go to college, you had to take the national college entrance exam. And depending on how you score would mean what you can take or what you can do. Isn't that crazy? It's like, so if you score, if, if, if you wanted to be a doctor, but you don't score high enough in the sciences or, or you don't score high enough, um, most people won't pick you up because, well, you're not going to succeed in that anyway. So, you know, take business or something like that. But I thought that only happened in the Philippines. And then um, shout out to Anthony, who's in Greece, you know, the person I was talking to in Greece. Um, he said that college, university is is free in Greece, you know, in most European countries. It's free. You take the test, and if you pass, then you get to go. Um, but you get to go depending on, again, how you score, so and I'm like, so you actually don't have the freedom to be anything that you want to be. It's how you score and if you would be able to succeed in that. So I'd have to talk to him more about that. But I found that super interesting. Um, that you know what's so crazy too. Um, I don't know if if other European countries are like this, but I know in England, 
once you decide on a major, you cannot change it. If you try to change it, it's really hard to change it. So at 18 years old, they are demanding that you choose something and that's it. You cannot change it. I think that's so scary because what you think you want at 18 could very well change by the time you're 21, 22. And and you realize like, I think I want to go down a different career path, you know? I want to do something different. I mean, if you look back when we were undergrads, if we did our undergraduate studies here, maybe some of us changed our major. We didn't graduate with what we started with, you know? Do you guys think that's an American thing? I think so. Because it seems like other countries, like, that's it. Here it is. Because when I went when I went to school in the Philippines, you went to the College of this. You went to the College of Nursing. You went to the College of Architecture. You went to the College of um, Dentistry. You went to the College of Engineering, and all your classes were in blocks. So, in in one semester, you took all these classes, and so everybody just basically took blocks of of classes to get you out of there in four years. Um, you didn't, if you were in the College of Nursing, you didn't see anybody else but nursing students. So, was... Yeah, I think it's more of a, of the way that our education system is structured here in America, you know, because we are, I, okay, I should know this because I used to teach on this, but I forgot already <laughs> how, why our system is structured the way it is. Uh, Well, first of all, we were structured in a way where it would benefit companies. So that way we could create pump out workers, you know, and only a few people at the top. That's why our models of of education have changed over the years. But initially it was one of those like you give and they take and that's that. And not really so much like, I guess, analysis or questioning. But now that's that's changing slowly but surely. Um, And we were also... Another consideration was that they really wanted students to have the classics. What do I mean by the classics? We'll have like study some type of language. Back in the day, I think it used to be Latin. Then take a course in history, take some reading and writing course. And then also, I think, mathematics. There was a time where science wasn't such a big push. But then when that um, when we had that Cold War with Russia or the USSR, there was a huge push for science and astronomy and being the first to get to the moon or something like that. Um, And so I think that's why you would meet other people from other majors, for example, like at universities, because you had to take those general education classes, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, if we could get away from doing that, I think that would be better because I felt like some of those things were just like a waste of time, you know? <laughs> Maybe I did learn a thing or two, but gosh, it was so annoying because I really didn't start enjoying my education until I started getting into the nitty gritty of my major. I was like, yes, I love this. Where's my next class, you know? Whereas if it was a GE, a science GE, I would just rub my head like, oh, Lord. I don't like science, but I, I need to pull through. I need to push through because I need this to graduate, you know? <laughs> so anyways, hey, you guys want to, you guys have any other topics you guys want to talk about? Something that's important to you that's tugging at you to come share, to whine about? Look, <laughs> Catherine's already done with her first class. She downed <laughs> that puppy. Um, Don't we have a jar filled with? We do. <clears throat> Oh, ha- that's, what a coincidence. It's crazy. Is that what from- you were going to say, Tony? 
You gotta pull from the jar. Yeah. All right. Let's pull from the bottom of the jar. I gotta replenish this jar. Okay. This one. It says. Oh. This one's on music. I don't know why we why I wrote this. Music, heavy metal, BTS, Juice World. When did we talk about this? I remember you were talking about um, children idolizing Juice World, um, and then we started. I think I brought up heavy metal, and then we started talking about BTS, and so I think that's where that conversation went. Um, because we started talking about how, you know, back in the 80s, you know, rock, like rock artists were idolized. You know, not so much now, but back then, you know, I mean, that world was just filled with drugs, right? I mean, never mind. Edit this out if you want. But, like, it was the, it was drug, sex, and rock and roll, right? That's right. Back, back then. Um, but now our culture has shifted and now we kind of idolize like pop artists and hip hop rap. Um, and so I, I think with juice world, someone refreshed my memory is I don't follow up with that genre very much. How did he pass away? It was a sudden, sudden death, correct? What's it? It was a drug overdose. It's a drug overdose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to me, and it's just, throughout the history of music, um, we tend to idolize these people, but we need to bring attention to the addictions that run rampant in a lot of, in a lot of artists' lives, you know? So um, he was very talented, Juice World, but we need to um, talk to our youth that, look, you know, this is, um, sorry. Tony said the sudden death of rapper Juice World as he landed in Chicago last month was caused by an accidental overdose of codeine and oxycodone. Nice, pronounce that correctly. Okay. So, um, what was I saying? Edit this out, please. <laughs> we gotta leave it all in. There's no editing in this podcast. You should know that. There's no editing. Nothing. And no budget. And no budget. So, by the way, if you are listening to this podcast and you really want to support this podcast, you know, go check our link on that Patreon. Become a patron and um, so that maybe one day we'll be able to edit and um, put on some, some editing sounds. Tell Tony. Tell Tony to edit. Come on, Tony. You can do it. What? <laughs> But keep keep all this in. Keep all this in. That that's what I heard. Yes. Yep. We'll keep this in. <laughs> we keep it all in. For the record, Tony will edit. <laughs> or if not, if he doesn't edit, he's gonna rap. Like yeah, juice exactly. like juice roll. Uh, You'll be popular with all the kids, Tony. That's right. Rapping, polo wearing youth minister. Oh right my now. gosh, this is going so well. <laughs> For the record, I'm not a youth minister. I'm a young adult minister. Just thought mm-hmm. I'd put that out there. Oh, you're trying to trying to take my thing. I should have I should have uh, trademarked it. Polo that- wearing young adult minister. Mm-hmm. Nah, it doesn't have a good ring to it. Polo wearing youth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Polo wearing youth minister. Beautiful. Beautiful. So. 
Yeah. I think it's so true what you said, uh, Bethany, about Juice World and other artists too. It's so easy to idolize them and not keep those addictions in check. Because when we think of the word addiction, we think of, you know, drugs or alcohol, right? But we don't stop to think that maybe we are addicted to our phones. We're addicted to social media or we're addicted to other things, you know? Um, and honestly, I, I think maybe some of these artists might not care, but then maybe there are those that care enough to kind of call you kind of sort of call you out on it and say hey you need to go do something else like don't just focus on us like go do better for yourself and i say that because uh, some of the bts members have actually called people out on them do go do something better for yourself don't just focus on us like we love you why you know but you need to do better for yourself too that's why we we exist we exist because we want to inspire people to love themselves so that they can live good lives what's the use of living a good life if you're not out there doing whatever that might mean for you now bts is a korean group right yes now that that always confused me because Mm -hmm. you know they're singing korean Mm -hmm. so you don't understand what they're saying Mm. so is it just the the beat or you know the the sound or we always get that. Or are there, are there subtitles? <laughs> All right. So I guess I'll give you a little. <laughs> um, I didn't always know what they were saying, but something in me always knew like that it wasn't bad, that it was different. I just didn't know how. So I started looking up the lyrics. What, what does it mean? Like, so I would look at the translated version of the lyrics, by the way, translations never do the lyrics actual justice as to what they really mean because you know how maybe this happens to like in tagalog i know it definitely happens in spanish when you translate something from let's say spanish to english i feel like english sometimes robs that essence of the spanish it's like something you know because some things you just cannot translate so it's the same thing with this um so when i started looking at their lyrics i started seeing that and for example in, in a lot of their songs there yeah, are some songs they would talk about love but then there was other ones where they would kind of like push the limits or boundaries and really question their own Korean society. Like, oh, I'm supposed to have a dream. I'm supposed to work hard for this dream, man. What dream? Like that was like their first song, No More Dream. You know, that's what in essence it was about. You know, I couldn't. I mean, I know I don't have it all right. So before any armies come after me, don't. <laughs> um, and then as the years went by, you started seeing how they were transitioning into like, you know, this teenage angst into finally like, you know, the realization like, you know, some things, some things will last and some things don't. Sometimes you're sad, sometimes you're blue and sometimes you're just happy, you know. And one of those songs that comes to mind about sadness is, I don't know the Korean name. I know the song, is in, it has a Korean name, but the English translation for that song is called Spring Day. The first time I heard Spring Day, there was something about that song. I don't know what it was. It was sad. I could feel the sadness. I was like... I'm like, I feel so sad. Like, why? So basically, like, the first line of the song is, Bogoshipta. Bogoshipta means, I miss you. So they're talking, in essence, about missing something or someone. And it's not, they're not very direct as to what that is. But you can kind of surmise, like, it's talking about losing something, the loss of something, the loss that all of us go through. And the only thing that can help us get through that winter, that coldness of that loss, 
is knowing that we have a the hope of a new day coming in the form of a new spring day. Spring is coming soon, you know? And that's one thing that would always tell, you know, their fans, like, your spring day will come. Don't get, you know, just wait on it. Your spring will come. And I think when we translate that into our faith, I think that's so true. Like, we get so desperate, you know, over the loss or over the anger, whatever that is, that we forget that God is still God of hope and he's very faithful and he's going to deliver on that spring day for us, you know, and that hope. And so I think that's why they have so many followers. I know um, there's been several people who've come out and said when they first heard BTS, they were going through a really, really hard time. And had it not been for the hearing BTS and knowing more about them and what they stood for, they're not sure if they would be alive today because some of these people were actually planning to commit suicide. Like that day they heard a BTS and they said, BTS saved my life. Had I not heard them, I don't know if I would be alive today. And I think that's, that's such a powerful statement to make. You're like, whoa, you know? Um, And because of that, I've been able to meet other people um, impact, you know, you don't realize the kind of impact people can have on you and you on them. But I'm so grateful because BTS to me is more than just music. It's a movement. It's something that inspires you, empowers you, but at the same time reminds you to stay grounded and stay true to who you are. And so whatever that trueness or realness is to you, then stick to that. And for me, it's my faith. (laughs) You know so much about this. (laughs) Yes. That's why I'm like, oh, you just opened a can of worms. (laughs) Tony can pass as BTS. If he shaves. What, what does that even mean? And, and puts on, you know, those um, those really loud, colored clothes. And... L- let me guess, BTS raps. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. They do rap. They do rap. Oh, what, a, what a surprise. They do rap. So I'm going to pull another one out of this box, out of this jar. It says, this one says, having children into this world. Wait, did we talk about that? I don't remember that. I think I put this one in here. Maybe. I think because I, I heard um, someone talking about this on, on somewhere. And said so that, that young people, young adults, are, are choosing not to have children. Um, because, one, um, because the world is in such turmoil that they didn't want to bring children into this world. Um, yeah, is that something that, that you guys have, like, your friends or people, young adults, are, are are choosing not to do or or putting off having children because of one reason or another. But that that just struck me. I don't know who I heard this from, but it said a person said that um, they questioned having of bringing children into this world because the the world basically is sucks. Um, so why would they want to bring? children into this world so let's whine on that i don't know if as far as that well i what i will say for a mentality of this generation is um which is kind of crazy because something just happened a few days ago i had a conversation with uh, a younger person a young person um like 18 19 and 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 we were talking she was saying like um 
we were just having a conversation of like she was talking about her future and that sort of thing, and I was saying like, oh yeah, I'm thinking of moving out and that sort of thing. And then um, she she says at one point, oh, did you want to move out with someone or did you want to move out find a roommate or whatever? And I said, yeah, I was thinking of finding a roommate. And she goes, well, why would you find a why would you need to find a roommate if you have a girlfriend? And and I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, you could just live with your girlfriend. And I was like, and this is someone that that's Catholic. And I'm like, no, you can't. You know, like they they don't even know that. You know, there's a mentality of like, oh, everyone does. Everyone lives together, um, so that should be fine. Like that's a social norm. So to that point, I know that that that's become like, you know, doesn't even bat your eyes. And to further that point, I know those that have lived together for many, many years, they aren't having kids. Um, I've never actually had a conversation as to why, but, you know, that could be it. That could be. It's like, why would I, especially with the world right now? Um, I don't know. That's I, that's a very interesting question. Do, do you guys think it's a fear of responsibility? Because I, 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 I have people I know that, that choose to have fur babies you know oh. I, I, you know i'm sorry if, if this offends people but i hate that word fur babies um they're they're for they're fur pets they're they're pets oh. they're not babies so um they're they're people couples who who have birthday parties for their fur babies um and one or the other maybe you know on the inability to have children or just um, saying you know we're not ready or we're not willing to put a child into this world so um, the way I see that is there is this this need to care for for a being and um, they're choosing to care for uh, pets instead you know having them in strollers and and baby clothes and things like that. So do you think it's it's like, um, you know, is it uh, a fear of responsibility to have to, uh, a fear of permanency um, or a fear of, of, of I don't want it to be like my parents' uh, marriage or something like that? Or I don't know. Yeah, it could be. And then yet you still are fulfilling that desire by by doing like the little parties and stuff, you still get that little, I don't know, fix or however you want to word it. Um, and yet without having the commitment, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think it really depends. Um, I know I have, I've had conversations with friends. I've had some who, who wanted to have kids and actually have kids or are on their journey. Like one friend, she's, about to have her first child in a few weeks yeah like in less than a month mm -hmm. or any day now really um and then i have another one who um actually i met when i was in china um and she said to us that she didn't want to have kids she just never did didn't want to and she was married at some point and she didn't want to have kids you know and I think for her, it was more of, not that she was afraid of that they weren't inconvenienced. She's like, no, I don't want to have kids, you know. 
that doesn't mean I don't like being around them. I just, I just don't want them, you know? And yeah. she's kind of one of those people that likes to, um, uh, she likes to travel a lot. She likes to be out and about, you know? Um, in fact, what I think is, is kind of interesting is that her mom actually, she didn't, her mom didn't want to have kids. And she told her dad, um, her mom told her dad, if, if I meant to get pregnant, I'm going to get pregnant within this one year that I come off birth control. And that's how my friend was made. <laughs> that's how she came about to existence. Mm. Had that not happened, I don't know if my friend would have ever been born, you know? Mm. Uh, and then I think also what influences people, it can be the fear of the world, the fear of responsibility, fear of commitment. But I think it's also like, some people experience so much bad trauma in their childhood. They're afraid of passing that on to their kids. Mm. And so rather than risking that, they choose to forego it altogether. Yeah. Bethany, you were going to say something. Catherine reads my mind. So she said everything that I wanted to say. <laughs> yes, you did girl. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know, the the crazy thing here is, um, I think our parents, um, and my parents, and uh, you know, people of older generations, they had the same. You know, they had traumas as well of going through things, um, but they still had kids. They still had, you know, the the dream of having a house, uh, two kids, and a car in the garage, and a pet. Um, that things have changed. Um, and is it is it because when when my grandparents uh, during that time there was no contraception, so they had kids, and you know now there is, and there's contraception, and there's abortion, and so. I think for me personally, and I'm just I'll just share this personally. I don't know if anybody else shares this, but um, for me. You know, growing up, I didn't want to have children. Um, at first, it was because I was discerning whether I wanted to enter religious life. But when I decided that that wasn't for me, um, it's honestly my reluctance to have children is because I get so afraid, you know, that I'm going to be inadequate. Um, and I do have those fears, especially because I work with so many children, you know, and I work with. Um, a high needs population. And I look at these parents and I'm just like, wow, I admire you so much. You know, I mean, I work with such incredible parents and I make sure that I praise them because I truly do admire them because they're just so phenomenal what they do with their children. But uh, for me, <laughs> I have to self-reflect and I'm just like, I don't know if I can do that. Like even with my own mom, you know, my mom worked a full-time job and she homeschooled her children. And I'm just like, wow, she is such a superhero. You know, in my eyes, I said, I don't know if I can do that. You know, and so it's just for me personally, it's a sense of inadequacy. And that's why I fear having children. I don't know. I'm just sharing that just in case someone else can relate, please. <laughs> Preach. Yes. I actually, I'm still on the fence about having kids. I will admit that even though I'm called into the vocation of marriage, um, I'm still on the fence about it. I'm like, God, I'm not sold on the children part yet. <laughs> so if I have the kids, 
it would be, I don't know. I'm not saying, I don't think everything's wrong with me. I think I will be able to have kids. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, like Bethany was saying, it's the sense of inadequacy, not being good enough to be a parent, you know, and then being afraid of passing on. And this, and it's so funny you mentioned that now because my dad and I, we often have this conversation, like how things were different when he was growing up and why him and my mom got married so young. I guess back then that was the norm, you know, like there was this sense of expectation, like you got married when you were young. Their parents got married when they were young and so did they, you know. My dad said that and if looking back, he's like, I don't regret having kids, but maybe I could have waited. I could have waited a little bit longer before having them, maybe better establishing myself so we wouldn't struggle as much, you know, because he said that the first few years of their marriage, they struggled with a lot of things, especially finances. So that's the aspect that he wishes he could have gone back maybe and tried to change a bit. Wow. And, and here I am. I'm like, man, I should have started earlier. <laughs> Cause it, 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 it's like for me, it's, um, I love, I love having, you know, uh, I, my wish was that we would have had more children. Um, Cause I, I really do believe that they are, God's gift, they teach you so much. Um, and, um, you know, as you get older and, and you can't have any more, uh, that's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it saddens me. It's like, wow, I miss, I miss having those, the babies. Um, so are we going to pause on this one? Was it that the flight? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pause. This is where we're gonna cut. They're just gonna splice that out. So we're gonna wait. Um just gonna join them. <laughs> we're not even gonna stop that record. We're just gonna record all the way through. Oh gosh. You're gonna have to find that portion. Oh gosh. It's gonna be more memory. <laughs> Our Google Drive is almost. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take out the old ones, and put Uh, it on the. um... Oops. See, there it is. We should just have this on there. If you have any prayer intentions at this, I wonder if she's single. If you have any comments, she is. Oh, that's how she does it. What? And get started. Um, I do want to pray for my Liverpool's soul, my grandmother's cousin who passed away due to complications from COVID. I also want to pray for the unborn. And I pray that we are able to uphold the dignity of all life. Fifth minute. Um, 
Francisco Valdovino, Gilberto Casares, and Jimmy Juarez. We pray for the repose of their souls as well as all their grieving family. May God give them strength in such a difficult time and moment of their lives. We also pray for a haunted immigration situation for all those that are involved in the case, especially for the judge and the attorney. Um, and we pray that he's able to stay cool with his family here in the U.S. We pray for our country's newly elected leader. May they meet with the community of heart. We pray for his family and positive
sound familiar. It's pretty good. They do. Good. We should just pretend we're frozen. It's <laughs> pretty good, right? Pretty good. So what are we talking about? We're talking about not wanting kids or right. what our fears were. Alright, I'm gonna unpause. Do we have another topic after this? Um, um, still do the boss thing. The what? Also, I don't know. Oh, we're not recording yet. I was going to say, I know some people who don't want to have kids because they have um, diseases or, or no illnesses that can be passed on to their kids. And hmm. whatever illness they have, they do not want to pass to their children. All right, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, when you study pathology, um, and Arnell, you can comment on this. Everything is pretty much genetic. Wait, wait, do they we want to record this? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, three, two, one. Catherine, say what she said again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I'll say Um Another reason why I think some people don't want to have kids, and I have, I personally know a couple people that are close to me, they don't want to have children in the future 
because they're afraid of passing on an illness to their kids. Um, and this illness, unfortunately, is one of those that can be genetically passed. So there is a chance that their kids might carry some of the stuff they have. And it's quite debilitating. So this individual, for example, I'm not sure what exactly is going on with their bodies. But I know they had to get a shunt put in at a very young age. They get these horrible headaches. They have no control over it. Um, and they almost had, I guess, you can say a brain hemorrhage, but because of the shunt they put in, nothing happened. But this person is basically on disability the rest of their life. You know, they still function like a normal human being, but there are certain things like getting a driver's license. That's something mm -hmm. that this person cannot do because of their history with seizures. So that's another thing. Like that's a huge concern for them as much as they would want to. They're afraid of that. Wow. So in response to that, I completely, I understand. Uh, and I think what I'm going to talk about is more uh, regarding pathology. Um, I remember back in grad school, we had to do a genogram. And so essentially what that is, it's like a large family tree but you have to track your pathology, your family's pathology. So like you have to say, oh, this person had an addiction or suffers from depression, bipolar disorder. This person was incarcerated, you know, stuff like that. And so essentially what you find out when you look at all of your classmates, genograms, it's like, wow, everybody, you know, there's no escaping it. Um, and of course, there are environmental factors as well that goes into triggering whether someone exhibits depression or bipolar disorder, right? Because you can carry that gene, mm -hmm. but not necessarily exhibit that. Um, but there's really no no escaping that. Everybody carries something. Um, and sorry, this is probably really random, but I kind of want to go back to what we were talking about um, earlier about being pro-life and people wanting to abort their babies because the doctor says that, oh, they're going to have a disability. Um, they said that about my sister and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, and, you know, they said, you know, you should have, you know, you should probably abort her, you know, and, um, you know, my mom thought, you know, she's like, no, I'm not going to abort her, you know, it, could you imagine if she had like my sister's so precious to me and I have a beautiful niece now because because of her and my sister's like my best friend and so when I hear that it's like no you know and working with the population that I do I'm like these kids are so beautiful how would why would you want to abort them they're so beautiful and um, you know what? Typically developing children cause their parents problems too. <laughs> like, I know people who like they're typically developing and they cause their parents mayhem. Like, but why are you saying that? Because this child has Down syndrome or has severe autism, like that their life isn't worth living because those children teach you a different type of love. And we have a very close friend who whose little sister has Down syndrome and I mean, that baby is so beautiful. And oh my gosh, I mean, you see her smile and you just melt. You're just like, can I just hold you and just love you for the rest of your life? You know, and I don't know. It's just, it's just saddening. And 
you know, when I think about the story of my sister and I'm just like, no, like, I'm so happy my mom chose not to abort her and she fought to not abort her, you know, and so these children, they're an absolute blessing to our lives. So sorry to cry. (laughs) You know what? I don't know if we're, we're thinking of the same baby, but if it's the same one, I like that post they put of of her eating a Cheeto. I don't know why that's so cute. Like, it's so like, oh, what is this? I can eat this? Um, nom, nom, nom. You know, it's just, ah. And like you said, like, I think it's so important to remember that they teach you a different type of love. You know, it's different. And I remember there was this um, girl, actually, I don't know if you remember. They used to go to, the family used to go to the Spanish mass, but I haven't seen them in a while. Um, the girl is on, um, she can't really, she can't function on her own. So she always needs assistance. And so she was always like on the wheelchair. But I just thought it was so funny how sometimes like you could feel or hear the girl responding, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of my choir um, mates, she's like, oh, you could tell she was happy today, you know, by the noises that she was making. And at the time, I didn't really understand it. But looking back, talking about this life, it's just, oh, my gosh, that's so true that her life was still just as special as anyone else's, mm-hmm. you know, and her parents were caring for her. And I thought it was, it was the most beautiful thing ever. Is it easy to care for someone who depends on you? Maybe not, but these parents, I know always took care of her. And so did her siblings or always like looking out for her. And I just thought it was just a beautiful love. Yeah. You know what? Um, my career for about 15 years was, taking care of the development of the disabled when um, when California used to have these large institutions um, you know a thousand fifteen hundred um, individuals live there <clears throat> that was their place where they lived um, and I loved that place it was a city within a city um, and it was protected <clears throat> um, where no one judged them and they walked around, um, they worked, and it was their home. Uh, but, you know, the first time I walked in there, it was a culture shock. I was like, wow. There's people with hydrocephaly, with massive heads, um, you know, that's about three and a half feet long and two and a half feet wide, and... Um, You've never seen that before, uh, and people with microcephaly, and you know the the typical things that people think of of disabilities is Down syndrome and autism. There's so many, so much more um, that was out there, and you saw everyone, and um, everyone was the same. Everyone was a person, and I love that about them because they they just treated each other as as um, well, that wasn't normal. Um, you know, on a side note, they, they did have a hierarchy. And uh, even people with disabilities will have hierarchies of, of who's superior to, the, to one person. You know, who's, uh, you know, this was a terminology that they use, uh, someone who was high grade and someone who was low grade. Um, and that was taught. That was taught by people like us. And, and so I always believe that racism and prejudice is an environmental thing that we were not born with, to be racist and to be prejudiced, 
but we learned that from our environment. Uh, we need to do better with that. Uh, we need to teach not to hate and teach how to love. And I, 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 I saw so much of that um, at these facilities um, that I worked worked at. And if, if it didn't close, man, I would still be living there. You guys would be taking tours over there with me and probably hanging out because um, when my daughters were, were children, they would never say that I went to work. They'd say, oh, Dad, are you leaving to go visit with your friends? Um, because that's where I went. And, you know, I love the fact that you got to go to, to work in shorts and tank tops because it was you're going to their home and you dress as normal as possible. So I love that. And I love your story, Bethany. Uh, and, and the fact that people with disabilities bring forth a special gift. It's compassion. Uh, it's, it's so much more of a gift to you than, than you are to them. They are so much more a gift to you than you are to them. Um, a story of of an uh, individual that I took care of. Uh, she only spoke with her eyes, you know, blink, you know, look to the left, look to the right, and and for someone who did not have the patience to be to wait on on a on a speech board, uh, you know, is it an A? And you know, you'd wait for the yes, no, and you know, to form a sentence, it'd take you um, a super long time. And she ended up with cancer. Um, and it was painful. And I just remembered her brother who never visited, a family who never visited, um, after she passed, uh, said, she is so much better off now because what kind of life could she have had? And I was like, and I remember my, my manager pulling me aside and says, don't, because I was ready to take that guy's head off. Because if you only knew her life, if you only knew how many people she touched, if you only knew the quality of the life that she led, and I think that's that's the thing in our society is the quality of the life that we think we need or we deserve or what we should have is like so material. And for the people that I took care of, the quality of the life that they had is how many friends did I make today? You know, um, and I, I had taught that to my kids growing up. I would tell them, okay, today, make one new friend. You have to make one new friend because that's what they taught me is they would just go out and they would make a friend and come home and say, Mr. Arno, I met a friend today. I made a friend. Like, and it would be the same friend, but they made another friend. Different day. And um, it just teaches you how to be more human, you know, uh, how to be Christ-like. Uh, I miss that place. Uh, you know, you, 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 for the people who, who work there, it's a place called Lanterman Developmental Center in Pomona and Diamond Bar. Um, we still all reminisce about that place. Um yeah, you know, the Fourth of July fireworks parade. We would have a parade, and every year we would have a parade and fireworks show, and um, changing gigantic adult diapers. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's like so many stories uh, of that. But 
for people who who fear having children because they might have that. I mean, it's I guess it's a personal decision. I, I've never had that cross to bear, but um, I just have to say, you know, every time I reflect on on what we want is perfection. We want is perfection. We want the perfect house. We want the perfect marriage. We want the perfect everything. It's never going to be perfect. And if we look at the history of 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 you know the Nazis who wanted to make perfect people, where they terminated um, human beings, the the disabled, um, the people with addictions. And the crazy thing is, um, if you had a child who was disabled, well, guess what happens? The mother gets, basically, she gets sterilized. And the crazy thing is, people think that happened in Nazi Germany only. That happened in the United States. Right here, San Bernardino, in the state hospitals. Uh, and that wasn't because you were uh, mentally ill. It was because that your husband placed you in a facility because um, you were being a difficult wife. And so you were sterilized um, without permission. Or, you know, you were an alcoholic and you were sterilized. So it's, and you know, with the Margaret Sanger of the world, you know, the the one who started Planned Parenthood, you know, she's looked upon as um as as some great person. Well, her intentions were, to me, my opinion, I think it's true. Her her ideas were evil. You know, to to abort. Um, African Americans and people of color because they were not worthy, you know. Um, I think we have to look at that um, where people who have disabilities make a world more perfect and not less perfect. Um, if, if everyone was perfect, then again, there would be no perfection. I mean, the beauty, I think, in God's creation is that we are all made in His image differently. I mean, the variety. I mean, just looking right here, I mean, just look at this. All beautiful. <laughs> just kidding. But I'm going to rant on and on about about developmental disabilities. Uh, it's my passion. Um, if... Uh, um, I was one time thinking of starting a group home, but the the one thing that prevented me was not that I I, I couldn't do it, was because I I could not go through um, having a, um, a client pass away, um, because that, that's that's a family member. When when I was working at Lanterman and I was a manager of my own unit. Um, I had 10 clients pass, and it was just so, so, um, so hard. It was almost losing um, someone in your own family every single time. And, and my unit was the, um, the, the 
elderly unit. So they're all in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. So they were sent there to have a good moment to go along, move along, and, you know, they were they were going to pass. And so, yeah, you get so attached so close because you are their family. So. I actually had a student. Um, I did his assessment earlier this academic year, and I was just looking through a, a random file. I was looking for another student, and I found out that that, that student that I assessed actually passed away. Um, he was in a he was in a car accident at two years old, and so I mean he was essentially in a vegetative state um, for the remainder of his life, and that that hurt. Like I started crying, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Because you feel for those parents too. Here's a, here's a crazy thing, you know. I, I went to school in Roland High School, and. Um, uh, Lanterman Development Center is just the city nearby. And I was working on a unit. I floated. This is when I was still working on the floor. Um, and I floated. And I passed by um, this lady. And she said, I know you. And I was like, I know you. And um, she said, you know, her son was there. And I'm like, he works here too? And um, she said, no, he's one of the clients. I'm like, what? Well, what happened was that he got in a car accident. And for some of us, we thought that they moved. And because he was in a car accident, he ended up being disabled before he turned 18, it was still considered a developmental disability. So he could stay at a facility uh, like that. And so that was one of the most traumatic things for me was to see a high school friend and now you're caring for that person and that person could still communicate uh, uh, and still remember, but, you know, trapped inside of this body that's now disabled. So I know that we're, we're, we're drinking. So maybe that's a note that maybe, you know, responsible drinking is, is something that, uh, that everyone should, because that was the reason why he was at that hospital is because of an accident. Um, so responsible drinking, you know, things like that can happen. Um, but I never worked that that floor again because I, I I couldn't. I was like I said, please don't float me ever to that unit um, because it, it just brought back really really strong memories and and guilt. You know, you know, we always fall into guilt. You know, how come I never knew? Why didn't I visit? Uh, things like that. But anyways, man, this is a depressing episode. This is what happens when you have too much wine. <laughs> that too. No, um, I was going to mention how, and now you mentioned the whole guilt factor. You know, for there was a time where I felt guilty for not wanting to have kids because there was people around me who wanted to have children so bad. They just couldn't, you know? And I remember once I'm like, God, you know, I'm so healthy. 
I wish I could give them my what I think I might, you know, I might have good fertility. I don't know. I don't, you know, I guess I won't know until the time <laughs> comes, you know. I wish I could give that to them so that they could have kids, you know. But but then I start to think, you know, God always has plans for people. And though I wish them well and I would want this for them, maybe that's not what he wants for them because maybe he chose them for something else. Yeah. And for this particular group of friends, God chose them to be parents in another way. They actually ended up adopting two beautiful children. And I was blessed to be at one of the adoptions, like one of the, like the final adoption where they went in front of a judge, they went before a judge, signed off the paperwork and made it official, you know? And to me, that was so endearing and touching because they came a long way. And so did this child they adopted. They will never really know what happened to their child prior to them adopting them, but they know that she went through some very traumatic things. Again, yeah. they just don't know exactly what, but I just think that that is so beautiful of them to say yes in that way to being parents. It hasn't been easy, but I see them and I admire them so much for their perseverance and for them not giving up. And even though it's hard and sometimes they struggle, <laughs> they made it happen. And I just, I love seeing the joy that comes from that family. Yeah, my sister couldn't have kids. You know, I have a couple of sisters, and I remember when Dana, my oldest, was born. Um, uh, there's a long story of that, but my one sister was the only one who could make it. She had to pick up my mom, who came with us, and my mom was diabetic but forgot her meds, so my sister had to come fetch her. Um, and so by the time that she got there, um, Dana was already born, and. We're looking at the nursery, and and here's my sister, who, who wasn't joking, you know, and you know, with, and and just if you know my sister Faye, she's just so timid. She says, you know, she's looking at the window, and she says, "Um, can I have her?" And I I looked at her and was like, "Are you insane?" Um, but she just says, I wish I could have her. Can I have her? And, um, but yeah, it's, it's like this, there's this yearning for a child and you can't. Um, and, um, so she's everyone's godmother. <laughs> yeah. I told her she can have her when she goes to college and now she's in college, she can have her. So, I I just I just think that um, there needs to be more children in the world. I, I I truly believe that the world is in in a state that it's in because there's not enough kids. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I don't know how much you obviously I follow this kind of thing because I'm really a lot into different types of cultures from Asia particularly uh, South Korea. But there's been um, reports that the populations in places like Japan and South Korea are aging because people are getting older, mm -hmm. but they're, they're not having as many children as people get older as they used to before. And I guess in the 50s, like after the, the Korean War, for whatever reason, again, the influence of the U.S. put it in their minds that 
maybe they should sterilize willingly. And that's what happened in the 50s in South Korea. A lot of people got sterilized. They couldn't have kids. Um, and I thought that was interesting because you would think like, oh, they should, you know, have kids, especially after a war. But no, that it was quite the opposite. So now, like, you have a lot of young people, for whatever reason, don't want to have children. And I could kind of start seeing that happen here, but in a different way. Maybe not in the same way. And I just feel like our society encourages, like, to kind of do whatever we want, follow whatever our heart's desire. If our heart's desire is not to have children, then that's okay, you know? But I think at the same time, I think we should also be mindful when we ask the question of married couples. Oh, why don't you have kids? Yeah. Because you might not know the story behind that. Like, what if they wanted to have kids and you asking them is just another triggering reminder of why they can't because they just can't or whatever else is going on with them. That's so true. Wow. I want more kids. You want a loud house, Arno? Because we have that here at this house. There's four of us, but it sounds like 20 or 50 people sometimes. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up with, with um, a family of nine, so it was never quiet. Um, and then my best friend, uh, he was an only child, and it was so quiet in their house. And funny thing is, he always wanted to come to our house, and I just wanted to go to his house because it was quiet. And we're like, man, you, you're the only one, and and you get to watch TV, and like at my house, it's like, you don't get to watch TV. It's like the older kids get to watch TV, and you get to sit there and watch what they want to watch. Uh, and so. if you ever want to watch what you want to watch, it turns into this big old fighting match. Yep. Yep. That's that's the beauty of large families. Many stories to tell. I will say, my siblings and I, even though there's four of us, I'm, you know, doesn't compare to a big family. By the way, my dad, he did come from a big family. He came from 12 kids. Wow. Um, and my mom was only two. But that was because I heard that my it was really difficult for my grandmother to get pregnant. And so for her to have those two kids, it was a miracle, kind of. So, um and for my mom to say, I want four kids. She always said that. Why? I don't know. I want four kids, two boys and two girls. And even though sometimes we don't see eye to eye on everything, I love that at the end of the day, we can still laugh and poke fun at each other. We roast each other. I'm usually the subject of the roastings because I am, when it comes to jokes, I'm the last one to get it. And it takes me hours to laugh about it. They're like, oh, Kathy, she's so smart, you know. But they say other, they're more creative with their choice of words and what they call me. But I'm like, shut up. They haven't met Tony. <laughs> no, they have not. <laughs> you guys. All right. I, I totally just stabbed myself with this corkscrew. So... <laughs> You need a band-aid. I'm okay, but like that's not something you should play with. So uh. on that note, I think we should end this because you know, people are starting to bleed. 
Arnel, I just want to say that um, when you were talking about the sterilizations that they forced people to endure, I I was I read something about it, but I don't remember where many years ago. But it made me pick up this book. I don't know if anyone's read it. The it's new called Jim The New Crow. Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. I really recommend it because it sheds light on this book. Particularly focuses on the rates of incarceration of black people or African-Americans mm-hmm. in comparison to other uh, people of color or even whites and how people of different races and ethnicities can commit the same crime. Yet it's always the black person that gets more time for the crime. So I feel like this sheds light on the history of it, how some things came about and um, it gives you something to think about, you know, is it like one of those things that's kind of, I guess, a little out there? Maybe, maybe not, depending on the reader. But I think in these, especially in this day and age, it's important to challenge your own thoughts and mindset and not stay so narrow-minded. Because I think God calls us all to be open-minded within reason, of course, be, to always look to him for wisdom. Um because I think in the type of world that we live in, we can't afford to just be narrow-minded and closed off to other things that are happening around us, even if it's not having a direct impact on us. So I know um, this book is taking me a while to get through, but honestly, it's worth it. I wouldn't trade it for the world because it just it's given me a glimpse into something that, you know, I haven't experienced, but it gives me a different lens to really understand where our Black brothers and sisters are coming from. Mm-hmm. Very true. You know, lived live life experience. Um, again, going back to where I used to work, um, I never had the experience of working with African-American people um, and, and, and hearing their life stories. And when I worked at, at, uh, at that state facility, um, that was when I, I met a whole lot of friends who were African-American and of different cultures. And um, you do. It... it uh, your life experiences, um, your life changes when you hear the stories of, of people. Um, so I agree with you. You know, you have to expand your horizons. You have to learn more. You have to read more, but you have to live it. You have to go out and, and be with and be there um, because that's that's how you, you learn from that experience. But last parting words. Tony, any words? Um, live a life of holiness. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> Tony, Tony, I was waiting for you to chime in, Tony. I know you have lots to say. No, you know what's funny is remember when? Uh, I mean, they. The, I don't know if people here listened, but when um, Edric asked me <laughs> during the CSB TV, it's like, what do you feel like you can add to this uh, podcast? Because I'm helping editing it. And I was just like, uh, nothing. Arnell's like, <laughs> Arnell has this. Like, there's nothing I can't add to it. And that's kind of how I feel about this. So. Oh. <laughs> Tony, I'm not biased or anything. Um, but I think you, you know, I listened to that episode that you did with St. Paul. And I truly enjoyed that. I mean, I have the intention span of a gnat, but that one was just so interesting to me. And I watched it all. 
and I listened to everything and you and Arnell both had really great things to say. So I'm going to have to disagree with you, Tony. I do too. <laughs> so, so follow on Instagram, uh, CSB of St. Paul. Is that what their Instagram for that episode? <laughs> That's my Addy. Thank you. <laughs> God bless you. Follow him on YouTube, Tony Pimentel. That's right. The YouTube version is on there as well. It's yeah. edited and looks pretty clean. <laughs> Not that it was dirty. Uh, yeah, correct. Cleaner. Bethany, Cleaner. any parting words? Cheers. But I did break um, my cork, and so now it's stuck. In the, I'm just a mess today. Yeah. I'm sorry. I cried. I stabbed myself. I broke the cork. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> We're done. Pretty much Merlot is not mine. I mean, it's um not my fave. Or or I'm sorry to um to the winery of Robert Mondavi. Just gotta say, um not my cup of tea. Not my wine. Still looking for my wine. So that's all I have to say. We'll get there. We'll get we'll there. We'll get there kind of too dry Catherine any last words while you're standing there against that wall you stuck in the wall stuck again stuck in the wall better watch out Bernie might be behind there oh my gosh that meme is out of control I'm so fed up I leave love, that man alone guys I love the Bernie meme do you think by the time by the time this releases the Bernie meme will still be like crazy I'm actually thinking died out by then I'm actually thinking that in in the 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 thumbnail poster for this, we're gonna put Bernie on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that that GIF I sent you guys, I thought that was cool. That GIF was, I love that GIF when that came out. I don't know what show it's from, but I just thought it was hilarious. The chair and Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, we'll never end um, unless we end. So. Until the next time, next month, until we come up with more topics to whine about and a different type of wine. Maybe, uh, what's the wine for next month? Pinion, how do you pronounce that? Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. We are going to be drinking. We are going to be drinking Pinot Noir. Um, Pinot Noir. Something like that. Yeah. Hopefully COVID will be done by then. We'll actually be toasting it by then. Um, I hope so. Yeah, I know. We we never even got to talk about the vaccine. Oh, we haven't talked about that. Yeah, I think that's in the jar. No. We talked about that with Joe. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But it's a different type of of of, uh, of discussion because we're gonna have wine with it. That's true. <laughs> See, wine. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But friends, if you guys have any topics that we can whine about, just shoot it our way. Send us a DM at Catholic.dad. That's all we have for this episode of Wine with Yam on This Connected. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed our wine um, and enjoyed um, Catherine's description of what wine is about. And uh, I hope you guys liked um, Bethany's overly wine it was actually tearful and and her harry carry attempt of stabbing herself with a wine cork bottle opener thing and and tony's silence (laughs) 
Awkward silence from the bottom there from Tony. But anyways, if this podcast connected with you guys, uh, send us a DM. Please subscribe to the podcast on the many podcast platforms out there. Also follow us on YouTube. Please subscribe and um, share that with a friend. Uh, There you go. Bethany is almost destroying everything um, in her screen. So we got to go before we have to actually call 911 to help this girl. Maybe she's had one too many glasses. Um, Yes, also don't forget to um, support the podcast. You can join us uh, and be a patron on our Patreon account. The link for all these things that you guys need to go to is on in the bio for this connected at catholic.dad. I don't know what I'm saying. I think I've had one too many glasses. But... um, Please send us your support. Um, And as always, remember, friends, live a life of holiness. We'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. And as always, be blessed and be third. Tony's going to sing this one. Different points of view. And highs and lows A new perspective everywhere you go Open up your mind Drown out the noise And see if this connected My actual singing voice And see if this connected Do you guys have any I quit. No! <laughs> no! This Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest. But not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The Cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath, that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin, located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out the cabin on Instagram at the cabin. 2021. Again, that's at the cabin 2021. T H E C A B I N 2021.